Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Mariella Frostrup talks parenting and agony anting. Giles Corrin explains why he has no idea in his brand new all-conquering podcast. And Bake Off's Nadia Hussain gives us her six cooking commandments. Plus loads more great guests. Enjoy, my friends, enjoy. With World Cup mania sweeping the nation, it's no surprise why this cricketing legend is adding an extra 19 dates to his talking tour on the front foot. Please welcome Sky Sports cricket pundit, a man who will no doubt hit us for six. It's the delectable David Gower. Morning, David. Well, hello, David. Hello. Good morning. Um, David, how... How excited! Uh, you can probably tell we are very excited about. I'd say overexcited. Would you? Yeah. Would you say we've? It's palpable. <laughs> we've peaked too early. <laughs> How excited are you? Uh, let me see. On the scale of naught to ten, about eight at the moment. I, I, as a player, as a broadcaster, as someone who's been around this game for a long, long time, I try and save the excitement for later. Um, you know, this is the time you should be sort of chilling out, thinking nice things. Uh, if you're the players today, let's have a look at the time. Yeah, be just sort of heading for the ground. Um, you know, you'd be just sort of starting to get changed, sort of get your thoughts in order. Uh, and then you build up to that crescendo at 11 o'clock where you walk out, on the, sorry, half past 10 in this game, of course, mm. um, walk out onto the field and it all has to happen there. And that's a fantastic feeling because you, if you walk out and you suddenly feel, you know, twice the size and bigger and better and a bit like sort of both them and all these guys, if you feel good like that, then you're in the right place. If you're starting to think, oh, hang on a second, I wish I'd just stayed at home today, then you're in the wrong place. How do you avoid being overawed? by the magnitude of the occasion? Um, I think everyone deals with it differently. Um, I think you just look around the place, you suck in the energy from the crowd um, you and from your teammates. In a dressing room, it's very much a sort of uh, all-for-one, one-for-all situation. So you have all that, as it were, friendship, camaraderie in the dressing room. God knows what they do nowadays. Um, it used to be a cup of tea and a cigarette for both of them. You know, it, was a, it was as simple as that. And whatever it takes just to sort of get yourself to the right level of mental energy, but without being overawed, without being too nervous. You know, and, you know, good nerves are great. So the, enough nerves to get you an edge, a good edge is what you want. What have you made of the England team during this World Cup? Because they come in as the top-ranked one-day team in the world. They come in as favourites. It's a home World Cup. And they wobbled, didn't they, during the group stages? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 they did. Uh, I mean, the Australia game, Australia just played better. The Sri Lanka game seemed to be a bit of a hangover from that and they just lost their clear thinking. Um, but the good news for me, the way I look at it now, is that the last two games were must-win games, mm. uh, de facto quarterfinals. Uh, they played seriously well during both of those games, so won them both with confidence. So that builds confidence. And you don't need any incentives to try and be at your best in a semi-final against Australia. You know, the world, you know, genetics mean that you have to be at your best <laughs> <laughs> against Australia. Um, and likewise for the Aussies, you know, they, they have a sort of certain uh, confidence that comes from being Australian. Um, they know they've beaten England before in the competition. They know they're good at, Austra- at uh, World Cups. Um, so all that is the stuff that goes into their team talk. 
Um, so you can kind of balance it out and just say, well, actually, the probably the main contest is going to be in the first 10 overs between whoever opens the batting and whoever opens the bowling, because that's where the damage has been done. I mean, for instance, yesterday's game uh, injured New Zealand. That's where the damage was done. That's where the it could all go horribly wrong in, to use Curly's words, 45 minutes. Yeah. OK, so this is ahead of a, a whole summer of ashes, of course, still to come. Couldn't be any better, could it? it? You know, cricket in England can't get any better than a home World Cup. I was getting into the semi-finals, the finals, and maybe even winning the damn thing, and then an Ashes series to follow. Yeah, Ashes awesome. is always awesome. Always awesome. OK, are you working? Uh, you want Sky back on Sky I'm for that? Back, I'm allowed back on Sky <laughs> for the Ashes, yes. OK. Um, and then I think that's the, that's, you know, then it's the exit. Then it's the, the back door and thank you very much. But, OK, but you're going on your talking tour. You've extended it, actually. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, we finished the last bit in June. Mm-hmm. Had 14 dates in the first one. That got better and better. I kind of remember what's going on by the end of it. Um, it's been good fun to do. Um, it is a sort of trail through... Um, yeah, trail through life actually. Uh, some, there's some very heartwarming photographs and bits of video and this, that, and the other. And I'm very happy to be self-deprecating because that's the way I do things. But yes, we've got 20 dates starting in early October, finishing early November. So it's quite a okay. What's the website trip. again, David? David-Gower.com. Why Thank did you, you have to put the hyphen in there? Just out of interest. Well, there's probably too many of us, isn't it? Because I'm I'm late late to this game. You know? <laughs> late you know, to the domain world. When, 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 for instance, when I first when when email got invented back in the 1870s. And I was a young man. Um, I was given, an e- given a laptop <clears throat> by Microsoft and said, you can have an, have an email address. So I thought, well, I don't want to be David Gower at msn.com. So I picked one which was a nickname, which is an animal. Stoked. And um, <laughs> so can I have this one at msn.com? I said, no, there's, there's already one. And it only started you know, seven seconds before this. Right. So I had to add a number. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, David Heifengo, it works. Okay. It's there. All right, thank you for coming in today. You're the perfect guest. It's a pleasure. Okay. Pleasure. All right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Since rocketing into the limelight with her debut album, All Right Still, our next guest has never been far away from a headline or two. She's had number one records, Ivan Novello's and Brit Awards, and now you can add best-selling author to that list. She's still all right. It's the legendary Londoner, Lily Allen. Good morning, Lily. Hi. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, your book, uh, talk about a roller coaster and some. It's every theme park in one big uh, melting pot, I would say. Um, I, I was around for a lot of your life. Um, I used to hang out with your mum, uh, not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I had a few run-ins with your dad. Yeah. I know your your god mum very, very well, Henrietta. Yeah. Um, uh, but still, your book had me so engaged yesterday. I started to read it yesterday afternoon, and I did not go to sleep. I would not go to sleep until I finished it. Uh, and this is the paperback. I'm sorry I missed it in hardback. I can only apologise. Um, <laughs> where do we start with this book, Lily? Every every page uh, is, is like an epic in this book. Um, so where should we go next? What should we talk about I'm next? I'm really pleased that you like it. I don't like I like it. I love it. I love it. I love oh. it. It scares me. I'm frightened for you still, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I'm concerned for you. I think I'm thinking about you. I the don't know. S- the stalker stuff is quite scary, I think. Well, I, well I'm not. He I'm, got out yesterday, actually, okay. for a 20 minute supervised leave. That was, that, that's uh, been preying okay, on my mind this weekend. Let's talk about that for, for, for the next couple of minutes. Okay. So uh, your stalker um, came. Let's not name any names if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. So your stalker came to your attention fully when? Fully when? And then you go back. So start with fully when? Fully when? Uh, what you mean physically when yeah. he broke into my house at about two o'clock in the morning right. in October 2015. Right. Okay. Um, you thought, first of all, it might have been your boyfriend? 
Mm, yeah, I thought it might be my ex-husband. Ex-husband, okay. And you yeah. were with your boyfriend at the time? I was time. with a new boyfriend, yes. Okay. We, um, me and my ex-husband had recently broken up and I was in bed with my new boyfriend and uh, and somebody came to my bedroom door and started banging on the door. Right. And I thought, oh, yeah, who's got a key? Well, my ex-husband still has keys. So I thought maybe it's my ex-husband. And then I opened the door and then there was a person there that wasn't somebody I knew. Okay. And then things became a little clearer and then uh, not clear at all. And then you started some investigation. The police investigated up to a point and then they didn't. After mm-hmm. a certain point, um, how long did you discover this person had been had begun to become obsessed with you for? He'd been he'd been sending me things and turning up at places for seven years. Okay, and he before wanted, that, and he wanted to kill you. Uh, in his interview, when when the police arrested him, they said, "What were you going to do?" And he said, "I was going to put a knife through her face." Right. Okay. And then, then you attended when when he went to court finally, um, mm. and he was charged with well, what's the what is the crime? Is it st- Stalk, stalking? Stalking, I think. Okay. Yeah. So you went to every day of his court appearances. No, no, no. no. I went to his um, the bail hearing, and then I went um, for the first day, and then the last day. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, why did you do that? Why? Yeah. The bail hearing I went to because I didn't had no confirmation that they got the right person. Right. So, and the only person that had seen him in my flat was me. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that it was the right person because I don't trust the police. Um, and still, you don't trust the police still. No. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so I went to go and see that it was him, and it was, and he stood up and started banging on the glass and getting really irate and angry. And I'm really glad I did that because then the judge saw what a danger he was. Okay, and um, since then, though, this new stalking force has come into existence, mm-hmm. and uh, some people involved in your case in the past have read read your book, didn't they? And they wrote to you. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Without again, without names, if you don't mind. Um, a a detect- female detective from up north somewhere um, contacted me and said that you know she dealt with lots of these types of um, things before and that the reading of my book had um, you know pushed her to you know make a commitment to herself to deal with them you know differently than she had done up until having read about my experience so that was you know really amazing and, and that's sort of the whole the whole point of my platform I think is to contribute in in a way that is useful all right uh, let's talk about Chris Martin okay so Chris Martin um Good old Chris Martin. Yeah. Uh, he, so, so he basically intervened um, in a situation with you in North America um, one night after a party. I think that, you know, I don't even know if he intervened. I think that he just articulated uh, what he what he saw, which probably most people didn't. Um, I think that most people pro- could probably see what was going on right. with me. But, but as you were saying, you know, like PR people don't really experience what you're experiencing. He probably had experience. I mean, not you know being drunk and high, but could see the pressure that right. I was under. Tell us about the moment. Tell us about what we're talking... So it was a night at a party. Yeah, that was a... Gosh. Tell us what uh, you can okay, tell us so on the radio, if you don't I, mind. I um, went to a party for like a celebrity uh, Halloween party in uh, Los Angeles. I think it was 2014. Was it Katy Perry's house? No, no, no. She it was, was Kate Hudson's house. Kate yes. Hudson's house. Katy Perry um, was there. And Katy Perry was there dressed as a Cheeto. And... Which is a what's it for people that don't know what Cheetos are. Um, yeah, and I was very drunk and just being a bit silly and I fell over bumped my head and Chris ended up driving me home and um and then it, he said, you know, come over for lunch on Well, Saturday. hang on. You, first of all, when you came to, you thought he'd taken you to A&E and you were, in fact, in your in own, own kitchen. kitchen yeah. And you didn't even recognise it. Well, I mean, it wasn't my house. I was renting Yeah, but you know what house. I mean. You so, know yeah, I, but it had those, like, black and white checkered, like, lino floor you things. Thought, and why I was is like, he taking me like, to the hospital? Why are you overreacting? Yeah. I don't need to be in a hospital. It was just like, we're not. I've just taken you home, Lily. I've just <laughs> taken you home, for heaven's sake. I'm Chris Martin from Coldplay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Doctor? Oh, uh, no. And, yeah, so then Dr. He, Martin. Dr. Martin. <laughs> right, so, so then you go for a walk on the beach? or Yeah, so he said, oh, come over to the house for Sunday lunch or something. And, and I turned up and then um, he was like, let's go for a walk. And then he took me for a walk and he said, I think you should sort yourself out, yeah. basically. And I did. Okay, good so. for you. Apart from talking about the book, um, the, the album, when does it come out? Uh, I don't know. It's just I'm just sort of like putting not finishing touches, but I'm I'm definitely like you know the finish line is in in sight. So I'm going to be doing that. Hopefully get get it out before Christmas, and then you know su- su- summer of festivals. And uh, I've been writing a couple of musicals and writing songs with other people, and um, yeah, you know, just hanging around. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He's the comedic thorn in the side of Westminster. On his political party podcast, one minute he's making an audience chuckle and the next he's making Tony Blair squirm in his seat. With his new stand-up show, Brexit, pursued by a bear, ready to be unleashed on the Edinburgh Festival, please welcome the meticulous Matt Ford. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Let's get this out of the way. Give us some Donald Trump. Off you go. It's an honour to be here. And I just want to say, I, I love Radio 4 and it's my favourite breakfast radio show. I love the way, by the way, and this radio show was invented, and I know you've been here 60 years, and I want to pay tribute. You've, you've been brilliant those 60 years, Chris, and here's to another 60 more. You look great on it, by the Thank way. Thank you very much. How good is that? When you say, let's get it out of the way, straight can we come in. back to Donald? Of course we can. <laughs> more times. Let's get in there straight away. Matt, how are you? Very good, thanks. How are you? Very well. Did you really make Tony Blair squirm in his seat at one of your shows? Uh, did he squirm? Well, you know what? I, I did my impression of him to him, and I think he found that slightly uncomfortable. Right. I said, look, frankly, now you've got a situation where, yes, it's right that you not only invest in the National Health Service, but you reform it as well, Chris. And I, yeah, I think, frankly, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you pay your money and you take your choice. You know? <laughs> I think when people see themselves impersonated, it freaks them out a bit. OK, and uh, you're going to when you go up to Edinburgh in a couple of weeks time um, with Brexit pursued by a bear, which is the best title of all time. I'm running out of puns, mate. Uh, for Brexit? Yeah. Okay, because your Brexit show's been running for how many years now? <laughs> well, yeah, as long as Brexit itself, yeah. yeah. Three, it would just never end. We're up to three We're past three years. We're on to our fourth year of Brexit now. I mean, I will say, for all I am down on Brexit, it's been great for my career, so I'm, I'm sort of mildly <laughs> grateful well, for Well, it's been brilliant for radio and TV uh, shows, and uh, political journalists have made, made the name off the back of it. Yeah. Um, they've never had anything so dramatic to report in peacetime as Brexit. Oh, man, I mean... Five years ago, I was having to do comedy about Ed Miliband. Yeah, well, how's that, I mean, how's is, that, how's that work? Yeah, I mean, well, give, give us your best Ed Miliband material. Look, look Chris, uh, you know, it's great to be here. Uh, uh, look, uh, all I'm going to say to you, uh, and I just want to say this, by the way, uh, and this is my answer to you. He would spend most of his time telling you he was going to answer a question. Look, this is my answer. And Chris, this is what I'm going to say. Let me be clear. I'm just going to say, look, I want to be absolutely straight up about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it, 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 in a way, you know, Trump and Boris and stuff like that are far more technicolour. Because well, you know what? I, I bumped into Jim White on this well, floor. you should be more careful. <laughs> but Jim White, I once impersonated him on, on Sky Sports News, Chris. It's absolutely right. And I do him in the show at the moment. Uh, it's great what's going on. Always sounds surprised. No matter what's going on, it's only 20 past eight. He sounds a little bit constipated as well. Does he? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, because it's always like, 
Oh, God, why can't I go? I've taken every laxative under the sun, by the way. That's right, a movement. It's on its way live on Sky Sports yeah. News. The deadline is closing at midnight tonight. I mean, the, the, this window will not be open for much longer. That's right, undigested food is moving from my gut. To, oh, well, I'm not even going to complete that. Right, so... So, you're so back, the toilet. You're back at the Edinburgh Festival. OK, yeah. which hall or, or room are you playing? So it's the Pleasance Fourth right, in the okay. Pleasance Courtyard, and people can buy tickets now for Who that. Who can buy tickets now? How yeah. many? How many performances will you do? I'll do a minimum of twenty-six. Right, okay. twenty-six days on the trot. Now you've obviously sold some tickets already. I would imagine, or have they just gone on sale now? Oh How's yes, it? yeah, they're on sale now. Yeah. Okay, and where do they? Where do people go to buy tickets? Oh, for this? go to edfringe.com and just type in Matt Ford on there, and all the tickets. Are okay, there. if you're going to the Edinburgh Fringe, as uh, tens of thousands of people do every year, you've got to take in Matt's show. Uh, so you are going to interview Nicola Sturgeon whilst you're up there as yes. part of, of your show, Political Party, which has been running for six years. That's right. It? Yeah, yeah. So I do. I also do a show where I interview politicians and I take the mick out of them a bit, but I ask them serious questions as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm delighted that Nicola Sturgeon is going to do it this year. And we to interview her in Scotland, you know, yeah. the leader of Scotland is really uh, exciting. We were talking about Nicola Sturgeon yesterday. We just were. I don't know why we just... Because when you're watching the cricket, you can watch the sport, you can do the crossword, you can have a bite to eat, you can take a break, and, the, and we're still beating the Australians. All the time we're just beating the Australians. <laughs> yes, we were. We're not wiping the floor with them. We're, we're mopping them up. Uh, we're not taking them to the cleaners. We're taking them to the hygienists, the, 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 the fumigators. Uh, and we, we've, we're... We're scraping the bottom of the budgie... Ca- Sorry, I've started again. We're really beating them. We did, we did. We did yeah. very well. Uh, but um, will she be nervous about this? Because will she be aware of, of your political party podcast in the past? I think a lot of politicians listen to it, so that uh, most of them are aware of it now. Um, but they know I'm going to be fair. I think that's important. Is Even though they're going to get teased a bit, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. And right. there's value in that. How, how, how much does Boris Johnson... How much did he feature in what you're going to do in Edinburgh till about three weeks ago? And how much must he feature now? Oh, way more. Uh, and obviously, yeah, you let me just, by the way, you <laughs> pay tribute. And all, you know, very... I mean, what he does is, is flatter people and speak Latin, and that seems to work on And say nothing. So he flatters people, speaks Latin, says nothing. Yeah, it's an honour to be here on this... Yeah, let me... This, this crucible of culture. Uh, it reminds me very much of a phrase yeah, my father used to use in, in, in divitas... Divitum uh, rectum. Uh, great people... Uh, I mean, come on. Now, that whole... He, he's a blagger, and he does, gets away with it. Does anybody care about Jeremy Hunt? With, no, the, with I mean, the greatest of respect. Jeremy Hunt. Jeremy Hunt has a kind of nervous... Di- Jeremy Hunt talks to the public like he's walked in on us naked. He's always kind of, oh, well, um, I, I can see this is a bad time, uh, but I, I really think we should invest in the NHS. <laughs> this is a bad time to ask for you, yeah, It just doesn't... He, he doesn't really have the, uh, the clout that Boris has. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Broadcast extraordinaire Mariel Frostrop drops by to tell us about the return of parenting institution Radio 4's Bringing Up Britain. Plus, the Craig David of cooking YouTube's Ian Haste has your meals sorted for seven days in his new cookbook, and Bake Off's Nadia Hussain gives us her six cooking commandments. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? He's a superstar columnist from The Times we all know and love, and his new podcast rocketed straight to the top of the charts. Here to tell us more about it, it's the finest food critic, the tastiest TV presenter, and now perfect podcaster, Giles Corrin. Morning, Giles. Morning, morning, morning. Wow. So we love you. Matt loves you. I love you. Do you love him? I love you, Giles. Rachel? I like you a lot. 
Oh, you know, that was a strong emotion. Him. Oh, come on. I haven't even said hello it's to show him yet. Business. Well, say hello, see if you love him then. Hello? <laughs> hello. Okay. Yeah. It's me. These boys with the long hair don't know who I am, though. Well, it doesn't matter. I know, but they're they don't, the they, future. I know. You are the present. You're not yet the past. So be grateful for what you've got. That's why I've got a podcast, so that young people, because right. I gather they listen to them more. But you're not facing them now. You're looking at me. It's true, I am. Okay, and I'm more of the past, and you're still more of the present and the future than I, than I could ever wish to be, because <laughs> you are podcasting. You've been podcasting for two weeks, and it's already a hit podcast. It was on the front page of The Times yesterday. I know. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's a podcast about the column that I write for The Times, and who would have thought that The Times would have got right behind it and put it on the front page and said it was the most successful thing ever? No, but it really but is. It, is. it, it really, really is. is. It is. Well, I've been number one for a week. OK, number one in Great Britain podcasting. And other people have tried. They've got massive PR campaigns behind their podcast, but you've just you've just gone on the air and you've just done it. The sound, second one that was, is available. Um, what do you do? You don't publish that podcast. I, you, think, I think they drop. They is drop, that, OK. It just sounds... So a, the second podcast of yours dropped at midnight last 3am this morning 3am this morning why 3am I don't know what kind of time you want alright this is how Jar's podcast is brand new and it really is a massive hit podcast it's only been out a week uh, the first one uh, this is how it begins welcome to Giles Corran has no idea it's called this not because I literally know nothing but because it's all about the moment in the week when I have to sit down and write my column but have absolutely no idea what to write it about which is where my wife Esther comes in, who, having read all the papers whilst I take the kids to school, always has half a dozen ideas picked out for me when I get back to be discussed at the kitchen table over a nice cup of coffee. And that's uh, basically it, and that's how it's come about. So, so the podcast is the beginning of you looking at that list now with Esther and a microphone in front of the both of you. Yeah, but some nice chap, um, sort of chat with a check shirt and a, and a beard. Uh, comes around to the house with a with a kit and he puts, puts the microphones up like these and suddenly our kitchen becomes a studio and we go through the papers and we look for something for me to write about. And, I mean, it was Esther's idea. I thought it was a, I mean, it's a terrible idea. Who on earth would possibly want to listen to that? Uh, and most of the conversation ends up being a marital row and I, that wasn't the plan particularly, but we're supposed to talk about uh, the news, but we end up arguing about who put the bins out and uh, whose turn it is to take the kids to school. Who put the bomb in the bomb? Who put the sort of ram thing. in the ram And then the other bomb. more sort of uh, intimate grillers. deals, you know? Grillers. Grillers? You end up talking about grillers. The fact that we have finally established that dancing is, is no more a part of the human than basically flying or climbing trees and being naked, this proves that I am the most advanced form of human. The non-dancer is the only civilised person, me and Gore Vidal, basically. <laughs> I'm sure there are gorillas who don't like dancing as well. They just sulk under a tree. This is, this is the, the gorillas who don't like dancing. Yeah. That is where the Corrans evolved from. Yeah, That's yeah. The, that, that is the missing link between things. If you, all you have to do, show me the gorilla that doesn't like dancing, I will show you my great-grandpa Harry. <laughs> <laughs> is that you doing the gorilla That's impression? me doing the gorilla, yeah. Did, did, we, we don't have sound effects, Did people. you have that old conversation because you knew you could do, give good gorilla? I, no, I didn't know I could okay, give good gorilla. Got a bit jealous here, haven't you, mate? You can see that. What, because of the animal impression? You were bristling because somebody can recreate, recreate, recreating noises. Yeah, I don't, I don't really cover the animal kingdom give in us, my Give show. us, give us. Oh, what? Oh, come give on give now. us Boris Johnson, oh right? God. Into Trump doing a gorilla impression. Oh my God. Because he's the, he's the famous silverback, isn't he? He's the, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to pay tribute to my <laughs> to my great, great opposite number, the you know, the President of the United States. And I I want to pay tribute to you, Boris, as well. And, and I guess what this all comes to. I mean, how do I get a gorilla impression? You nearly, you nearly did it anyway. <laughs> come on. 
Is that, but to, isn't that more of a chimp? It is, yeah. Chris didn't notice that. It is more know. of a chimp. Gorillas it's all just... simian to me. <laughs> <laughs> then my, my dream is for my podcast ultimately to just be chimp noises. Because uh, I, I think people would listen to it. Because I think that people... I have no idea. I never heard a podcast in my life till I did my own one. Who listened to this rubbish? I thought, let's make... I listened to some podcasts. There was no correlation between quality and popularity. So I thought, let's just make any old... Right. You know, and... Which podcast did you listen to in, in preparation? Good ones. I can't, just, good, just good ones. No, I can't. I can't. Well, there's. Oh, they're, they're, I can't remember. All right, other well, ones. Okay. The Peter Crouch one is quite, is quite fun. Now, that, he used to be number one until you came on the scene seven days Smash, ago. Do you know who we He's smashed? He's not going to be happy about that. We smashed Love Island. And Love Island, the morning after pill, it's called, or something like that, right. it's, it keeps trying to get back to number one, and it can't. And we are. I, I am more popular than Love I am more. You are Love Island. I am more popular than people who no shave their bodies. Yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. She's baked for the Queen, released several books, and presented many TV shows. But more importantly than all that, she impressed Mary Berry. Her brand new cookbook, Time to Eat, has recipes that are short on time but not on flavour. Please welcome the icing on any cake. It's Nadia Hussein. Come on, round of applause. Good morning, Nadia. How are you? I'm good. Okay, brand new TV show hits the air Monday? On Monday. Yeah, okay, Monday. Yes. Okay, so Time to Eat, uh, the book is out now, and Nadia's Time to Eat, 8pm, BBC Two, uh, Monday, 15th of July. Congratulations on how many series is this now for you on Third TV? Third series. Third, Third cookery show, yeah. Okay, well done. Yeah. Uh, so uh, your book uh, caused a, a bit of a furore earlier on in the week, didn't it? It might have done. Okay, tell everybody about that if they don't know what I'm talking about. I think, are we talking about the canned veg? Yes, we are. Yeah, I think um, I've always used canned veg and I kind of had a feeling that it would happen, um, but I kind of waited it out and see, just to see what the reaction was. But I think, you know, I've always used canned veg and you know, things like canned potatoes. There was a big thing about canned potatoes. Couldn't get any bigger. Yeah, and, and um, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with eating them. Um, you know, I, I couple, you know about seven, eight years ago, you know, there was a moment in my life where I, where I really wanted to eat potatoes. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of which is kind of like my life right now it's like I could live on potatoes but I didn't like I had to choose between whether I was going to rack up the gas bill and boil potatoes if I was going to eat potatoes and it was cheaper for me to just go and get the potatoes and that you know and that was my first experience about eight years ago and and I haven't looked back since and there's nothing wrong with them so I just think we're slightly becoming we're becoming slightly pretentious in the way we eat and and we get told constantly that you should eat this or you shouldn't eat that like I'll eat whatever I want. Uh, Nadia you have, apparently you have like six rules for cooking like Nadia's six cooking commandments what are those? Yeah so it's um, microwave is not a bad word so uh-huh. you know like things like using your microwave I think some somewhere in between we stopped using our microwave Yeah and what's this? Um, what's this? What's that? Microwave What's that? What is that? It's it's microwave. Little wave with the Did I do that? No, no. I'm just saying it's a microwave. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. What's this? What's I this? What's this? What's this? What's this? It's very early. What's, I was... this? what's this? I haven't got a clue. What's this, guys? I don't know. Vicious circle. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. You can tell your kids are still really. What's young. this? What's this? What's this? Oh no. Uh, uh, what's that? Not a clue. Round of applause. Oh my so God. you had to see that one. Right, got it. Sorry, Nadine. My, that's fine. Microwave, I'm, I'm, number one, microwave. Train of thought, gone. Number um, two. Yeah, so microwave, using your microwave. I think we stopped using our microwave. We've got, we got to use, because it speeds up cooking time. Uh-huh. Um, freezer's your friend. You know, use your freezer. We, we sometimes kind of like, it's, I always have a drawer empty. And then whenever I've kind of cooked a meal and I've got one portion left, I stick it in, a, in some Tupperware and 
put it away because like my husband will say you know I need a meal and and then you know like in the middle of the night he needs something to eat so it's like there it is it's in the, the middle of the night your husband says he needs like no, three he, in the morning no, I want he, lunch honestly oh, I woke up at yeah. three o'clock in the morning and I found him eating dinner at yeah. three o'clock happens when you get older you get hungry in the night yeah. it's terrible it's terrible and then you get what, what happens is you have to go for more comfort breaks and so you yeah. have more times to realize how hungry you may I, be I'm old enough to wake up in the middle of the night needing a wee but I don't then go and make lunch yeah a wee well, only the one, really, mostly. Yeah, exactly. So as you get older oh. and things become a, a little more affected by gravity and life and longevity themselves, yeah. then you have to have more comfort breaks. Therefore, you have more chances. And I just said all this out loud you, in front of you. Yeah. You have more chances to feel hungry, not just the one chance. Why go to bed at all? Why not? Well, that's a, that, that's a great idea. That's <laughs> what I might... I tried it for a few years. Went quite well <laughs> until I was about 34. Uh, your cooking uh, commandment number four. Dried, dried foods, you know, use dried, dried foods, foods. You know, like foods. herbs. And I think we don't, we've stopped using dried herbs, uh-huh. dr- dried spices. I think it's really important to use them. And again, you know, if you've got, you know, when you've got like one top tip, like if you've got, you know, when you've got herbs in your fridge and they're just kind of wilting and you mm. think, oh, they're on the way out. Let's just chuck it away because we're very good at wasting. Just w- whack it in your microwave, zap it for 10 seconds. You've got instant dried herbs. So that's how I get my dried herbs. That's very clever, by the wow. way. Did you all hear yeah. that just now? Ten that seconds. was a, an amazing... Amazing life hack. I think we're on to number five. Um, Cooking commandment number five? five. I can't remember. Can you open the book, please? I've forgotten. <laughs> Everything is an ingredient, Nadia has Everything saying. Everything is an ingredient. Yes, yes. Nadia has saying. Because I don't throw anything away. You know, I literally, you know, when I peel my potatoes mm-hmm. and broccoli stems and things like that, I've got a massive freezer bag and I stick it all into the freezer bag. And I've, there's a recipe in there for spicy scrap soup. So it's literally potato peelings, carrot peelings, broccoli stems that get stuck into a big stock pot, lots of spices, mm-hmm. and then just cook that up. And that makes a meal for about eight or nine do you, people. Do you blend it or do you? Yeah, I blitz it afterwards. and then it's just thick really hearty soup don't throw anything away so I literally if I can eat it I will okay page eight of the book and by the way cooking commandment number six is every meal is two meals Yes, always. So batch cooking. I always batch cook. Whenever I cook something, I always kind of do a little bit extra. Why did you point at him? That's an half I don't hour just getting told off. I this. know. No, just because it's cool. Yeah. Point at people. Yeah, but I I agree. <laughs> so Matt, Matt that's, why, to... that's why I pointed yeah, at yeah. you. Because yeah. I sensed you agreed. I thought you thought I was passing notes or something. Matt no, has no, no, to no. freeze his meals because he's allergic to almost everything. So when he finds a meal he can actually eat, he has to make loads <laughs> of it and freeze it and keep eating it. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our next guest is a novelist so good, all he has to do is sneeze and someone makes it into a hit movie. His new novel, Sweet Sorrow, is out this Thursday, and here to tell us about it, please welcome the perfect producer of poignant prose, the delightful David Nichols. Oh, David, if it were only that easy, eh, as sneezing? Well, I wish it was. I mean, I haven't, I'm not very prolific. I write a book every five years or so. I wish it was more often. So why, why every five years? What Are you thinking about it? Are you, you, you letting your soul simmer? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, you have to, I, I want everything every book to be different and you have to really feel it and feel that it's something you're happy to live with and talk about for years. I mean, it's years of writing and then a, a long time talking about it as well. And so um, 
I, I, when I started writing, my contract said that I was going to write a book a year. Right. And I realized very, very quickly that I just couldn't do that. And, and you have to feel it. For me, anyway, I have to be very passionate about the idea. Now, this doesn't mean you're lazy, does it? Because some oh, people no. might interpret it that way. Well, I write scripts as well. So uh, in between, I tend to do a lot of, um, of that kind of thing. The last thing I did was a show called Patrick Melrose on Sky. Yeah, you may have heard about which it. Which took a long, time. It did quite well. And that was five, six years of endless rewrites, and it was uh, it was a big job. Didn't that, hasn't that won four Baftas and counting? It One has, of which yeah. was yours, was it? It's done. It's done all right. It's done. How well. nervous were you on that night? I was very nervous. I mean, I used to watch those things as a kid, and never expected to to actually be be there in the audience, and didn't expect to win either. But it was. Um, it was thrilling. I mean, I really did do the whole kind of blubbing backstage thing. It was very <laughs> embarrassing. I, I was very, um, it's very, those things are very important. You can be quite cynical about them, but when you win them, it's, it's quite overwhelming. So Sweet Sorry is the new art. It's yeah. out this Thursday, the 11th of July in Hardback. Now, it says here on the front cover, David Nichols, Sweet Sorry, One Life-Changing Summer. So um, whose life did it change? What summer was it and how? It's set in 1997, and it's about this kid called Charlie who's just blown his GCSEs. He's failed all his GCSEs, and he has this long summer ahead of him. Um, and the novel is set between June, June and September. He meets a girl, falls in love with her, but the problem is she's in a production of Romeo and Juliet. She's playing Juliet, and the only way he can see her is to get involved in this production. And so it's about first love... Growing up, um, uh, friendship, difficult relationships with parents. It's about it's about that awkward, painful, emotional, funny, uh, rich time when you're you're not quite an adult and you're not you're still just leaving your childhood behind you. So it's a classic coming of age story. It's so transitionary that period, isn't it? Because we yeah. we had a neurologist on a few weeks ago, and she said the issue with teenagers is that they actually lose twenty percent of their grey matter uh, whilst becoming <laughs> a teenager, and they really do. Right. And it's replaced with white matter. So the reason they can't understand anybody else rather than other teenagers yeah. is because you you're not making any sense to them, and they can't have, they lose the ability to communicate with you. Yes, and we have to sort of forgive them that. How do you write about that? Well, the other strand of the novel is about uh, Charlie's father has been uh, declared bankrupt and is having a bit of a breakdown and they have a terrible relationship. You know, they can't communicate. They can't find a way of speaking to each other. So the other strand of the novel is how Charlie finds a voice, finds a way of communicating with his father and finds some sympathy for his father's dilemma. So there's another strand which is about this difficult miscommunication between generations. Okay, you have said, uh, decide about writing, decide the effect you want to have on an audience and then do everything you can to achieve it. What effect do you want this book to have on your audience? Um, I'd like people to read it and look back and think, God, that's what it was like. That's how it felt to feel 16, 17, feel so full of passion and not be able to communicate properly and be so excited about the future but scared too. It's a very nostalgic book but not in a kind of rosy way. It's also about how traumatic and difficult that time of life can be. And it should be emotional. I, I always want people to laugh out loud and then a few pages later be genuinely moved. And it's, it's pre-most things now, isn't it, as well? That's an interesting point. Well, I, it's someone looking back at their childhood. Uh, and so it had to be 97. I wasn't 16 in 97. I was 16. But 97 is such a pivotal year because it's Blair, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly. It was pre, just about pre... Um, Bricks and clicks going massive, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. It's the last time. It's very hard to write love stories that, 
that use technology. It's about the last, really, pretty much the last year where everyone didn't have a mobile phone. Um, so uh, I, 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 at some point, I'm going to try and engage with how people fall in love now, Good which luck. is very different. Good luck with that one. <laughs> but, um, but 97 uh, feels like one of those years that sticks out as well. You know, it was a very significant year. Lots of music, culture, politics, all kinds of things happening and, and uh, a year that most people remember. Great to talk to you, David. Thank you very much. David Nichols, Sweet Sorrow. He's very excited about it and he's very picky about what he gets excited about. Uh, so it should be worth a read. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Ever wondered why onions make you cry? What happens to chewing gum if you swallow it? Or why you fart? Well, here with all the answers and more is the author of the brilliant science you can eat. Please welcome the tantalising tickler of taste buds, the man who makes sense of flatulence. It's Stefan Gates. Good morning, <laughs> Stefan. Good morning, beautiful. How are you doing? Very well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Nice book for the summer, Stephen Gates, oh, well, Science You Can Eat. Great for the kids. How do I know? Because my kids read it last night. And I said to Noah, Noah, his mum was at Wimbledon. I said, M- not playing. Uh, well, I don't know. You never know. It's dark horse. Uh, so I said to him, do you want a curry? Do you want a cheeky Monday curry? Don't tell your mum. And he said, yes, I do. I said, OK, I'll go and get the curry. You read Stefan's book and come up with eight questions for tomorrow's show. Oh, wow. And he did that. Would you like to hear some of them? Uh, I'm, I'm terrified. Go okay. on. Need some headphones. You need to put your headphones okay. on. All right. Here we go. Question number one from Noah. 10 years of age. Noah Nicholas Martin Evans. Why does the durian, the world's smelliest fruit, smell so bad and what makes them so heavy? Oh, over to you, Doc. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of different flavour volatiles uh, in the durian, um, and it just happens to be that a lot of them are sulphur-based, and so you get that kind of stinkiness and the slightly vomity smell to it. But they taste really good, so it's well worth tasting good. They grow big. Uh, that's just that's just evolution. Okay, and does nature have a reason for it smelling bad? Usually, it's about flowers, to be honest. And um, so the flowers smell really strong and putrid, but that actually, that attracts uh, the bees. The the fruit, you know, the fruit wants to be eaten. Um, and so it, it's very personal your your attitude to it as to whether you love it. Some people absolutely love eating it, but it will be it will smell for a good reason, so that you eat it, and then you poo out the seeds, and then they go to be fertilised somewhere. Um, doesn't something that smells bad generally taste? bad because aren't those two senses kind of linked well then no they're, bizarrely they're i mean they, they link they sort of cross modal is what they, is what they call it but actually they're they're separate as well so taste all happens on your tongue you've got five separate tastes you can do on your tongue you've got about a trillion smells that you can smell up here in your olfactory bulb um so they're they're closely related but they're separate as well yeah they are separate it's the reverse nasal passage passage isn't exactly it? Yeah. and it's the five senses retro nasal smell yeah all right uh, question number two from noah why do eggs have membrane on them? Ah, so the membrane is, uh, it's, it allows um, gases through, but not liquids out. So oh, in, in a crazy. sense, that's it has crazy. to breathe. So they're called semi-permeable. Oh. So they allow some things in, but not others. So what an answer. Yeah, why does it have to do that? <laughs> Protein to, has to come in? Yeah, so, well, to protect, to protect the egg inside, you don't want bacteria to come through, so yes. you don't want anything water-based to come through, but you, it Nutrition. needs to breathe. Okay, good. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, question number three. Who popped the first popcorn and why? 
you got me you've got me there i can't believe it uh, i don't know but there i mean the, the science behind it is lovely you know it's it's a really beautiful sealed package yep. the the the, uh, the corn itself and when it heats up there's a t- just a tiny amount of moisture inside it that expands in in the pan and finally when it goes it goes with a bang um, but well, who did we, it first yeah we just wonder how it was discovered whether it's an accident over a campfire or whatever it well may have been. i think all food is an accident you know if it, discovering chocolate is is a whole series of different, different accidents you know if if you if you look at if you try and taste a raw cocoa pod it's revolting so all of these things have gone through a billion different accidents to get to the stuff that we love now uh, Rachel Horn Rainbows um, muffins are not an accident anything but oh. an accident they're put, their works are perfection <laughs> but we just haven't had any for a while that's a good point because you're hardly ever here <laughs> I'll bring some in when you're not here you're week. doing the blimmin laundry <laughs> uh, right okay uh, question number four okay. how do the radio waves from the microwave heat food up Okay, so water molecules are polar. They have a, a positive end and a negative end. And the, the radio waves um, fluctuate. They go one way and then another way. And they spin the water molecules. And the spinning creates friction. And that's why it heats up. It's bizarre, but there's nothing wrong with it. People are a bit scared of, mo- of microwaves. They think there's something weird going on. No, it's a very efficient way of, of heating water. One question Noah wanted to ask, but he was too nervous. And I said, no, it's a great question. And he, he didn't put it down for us because he oh. didn't want to. But can I ask it on his behalf? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you talk about smoking food, you know, smoking. Yeah. In, in the book, in the book once again, brilliant stuff. Engage science you can eat, kids for the summer. Mums and dads for the kids for the summer. Mums and dads for mum and dads for the summer. And um, so he says, okay, you can smoke food uh, to flavour it. But what is smoke made of? Well, smoke is, is basically sort of toxic bits and bits and pieces that left over from combustion. So, in a sense, it's it's kind of bad. It's almost pollution it's in weird, a way, isn't it? Smoke but is it, weird. it tastes really good, and that's the that's the weird thing. Some of the things that are dangerous are actually actually have some of the best flavors. It's a strange twist. Once again, back to Rachel's muffins. Ah, there you go. No, Which is, but that's all chemistry. Good. That is. The danger is because you just want a million of them. Not, not that, well. That, I can barely remember. But I think that. That's how they affect me because it's been so long. I get the hint. I'll bring some in. Thank you very much indeed. (laughs) Now, science we can do Mm -hmm. in the studio that can be filmed by JJ for social media. These look like protected goggles, but they're not. They're just my glasses. All right, what are we doing first? Okay, what we've got here is some uh, some vegetables that I've drilled. <laughs> I've drilled these vegetables with a big hole down one end, a small hole down the other, yep. and then we put a straw in, which has been, had a little cut in it to make it into a reed. Right. Now uh, we need you all to make a noise with okay. your vegetable. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> oh, yep! Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Dodgy carrot. Uh, you're rubbish. You're, rubbish. Aww, you're just blowing. Right. So, okay, so this is all about fluid dynamics. We're making things vibrate. Now, uh, I think, Chris, if you take a bite of the other end of yours, what you've got there is a Jerusalem artichoke, oh, nice. also known as the Jerusalem fartichoke. With a bit of hummus. Oh, yeah, right. fartichoke, yeah, so of course. It is the most flatulent food on the planet. Um, and it, it, by, I mean, it takes a little while, but, uh, but that fibre that you've just eaten will, will finally make its way through to your guts and, uh, and get you brewing up a bit of a head of the storm. Like now, what's interesting about this is physics. So, a bit of acoustics here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I've got is a large, uh, a large whoopee cushion. You've got the largest whoopee cushion in the world. Yeah. Now, how do I get it close to the microphone? This is, this, right. is a, a, this is a struggle here. Okay. So, uh, here we go with some more fluid dynamics, and this is uh, the the opening of the uh, whoopee cushion. Opening, and closing very fast. <laughs> and that's what you'll be doing uh, later on after your Jerusalem artichoke. <laughs> 
It's fluid dynamics. This is physics. We're not having fun here. This is physics. Okay. Oh, you just, can't, just... can't get my character go. But so that you've changed. You've changed the timbre of, of the of the of the noise that your trumpet makes by eating my pocket. By again. eating it exactly, and that that's what I find. I'm going to go. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Our next guest is a woman of many, many talents. She's the agony aunt to an entire nation in The Observer and this week launches the 12th series of her decade-long Radio 4 series, Bringing Up Britain. Please welcome the silkiest tones you'll hear on the air. It's the marvellous Mariella Frostra. Good morning, Mariella. <laughs> Good morning. Very comforting. Right, so Mariella, what should we talk about first? Let's talk about uh, your BBC Radio 4 show first of all. Series 12 after 10 years. Okay, 12 series, 10 years. Mathematically, what's going on? on there maybe one year we did two series but i don't think we did that's what happened with strictly is it same thing First i would remember if i'd done strictly though because you, you must have now. been asked a thousand <laughs> times to do strictly i've got whatever the thing is where i i mean i love to dance yes you've probably seen me yes, dance because the minute i, I have a couple have of drinks, i just you. dance and we have danced together but um i can't do you know numbered like three steps forward four steps. I, I absolutely i did a zumba class with emma freud for two years and finally this friend who i kept asking to come turned up to do it with me and she went i kept telling her i was really rubbish and she said no you can't be and then she turned up Two seconds. You're really rubbish. rubbish. Two years. What a waste of time. <laughs> no, right. it was fun. It was joy. Of course. Uh, bringing up Britain, series two. What is bringing up Britain for new listeners that you haven't attracted yet? By the way, it's right up against us. Why are we doing this? Okay, <laughs> I did wonder. I have to say, <laughs> uh, but thank you for, for your generosity. You're obviously very confident in your position in the yes, world. Yes, of um, course I am. Bringing up Britain um, for any parents not listening to Chris Evans is, and not just parents actually, because the whole point of the series is. Uh, to talk about how we bring up our children now is affecting us in the future yep. or will affect us yep. in the future. So it's looking at all of the issues that occur with children that have an impact on society as a whole. OK, and out of all the hours that you've spent talking about this and doing this amazing programme... still a terrible parent. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> is there an overarching uh, theme that seems to always always recur? Well, I think the, the 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 worrying, the most, the thing that that bothers me the most, um, and obviously my kids have just just entered their teens, is just the sort of general. And in fact, we're starting off this series with with a part of the topic about mental health, which is anxiety, um, which is an, at epidemic levels in this country, apparently, allegedly. Um, 700,000 kids diagnosed, but they're the ones who get diagnosed. Probably, you know, another million or two uh, undiagnosed. Uh, and it is actually, it sounds like something, oh, I'm a bit anxious, but actually it's incredibly debilitating. It can mean for a lot of kids, they can't face going to school, they can't make friendships, they don't, un you know, they, they, they have crises with their own personalities. Um, and you know, at the moment, because of the NHS being in crisis and everything, it can take minimum of 12 weeks for these kids to be seen. And uh, we were talking about uh, to a neuroscientist about this, and I always mention this to people who come in and have this similar conversation, so forgive me, listeners, if you have heard this already before, but it's about when a teenager's brain changes when they're 
11, 12, 13 years old, and they lose 20% of their grey matter for a while. And so they can't think and they can't function, which is amazing. It's also a survival mechanism, isn't it? I mean, the next uh, programme is about lying and and about um, <laughs> and just about children's capacity for it. And actually, the encouraging thing is, if you've got a little liar at home, that it does mean that they're incredibly intelligent, usually, um, and much better um, that right? at coping with life. Didn't yes. know that. But you have to watch out. If it becomes pathological, then obviously that's not... Well, that's what Big Little Lies is about. Yeah, it is what Big Little Lies so is about. So the big lies, the, the mums and the mums and dads are telling the big lies and some little lies and the little ones are telling some little lies and the odd big lie. Don't tell me what happens because I'm waiting to binge it. Well, it doesn't matter what happens because they're so clever at writing it. Something amazing happens at the end of every episode to make you watch the next one. Are you trying to get a part in it, Chris? No, no, but we are sponsored by Sky and uh, <laughs> we do absolutely worship at the altar of Big Little Lies because we really do, even though we're sponsored by Sky. And by the way, of course, it's on Sky Atlantic. Right, so you're also an agony aunt for The Observer and you have been for how many years now? 850, okay. approximately. I think about two decades, at least. OK. How does that work? Because you're unqualified, um, you know, uh, from uh, an official point of view, but, of course, you're qualified because of life. I think that there are all kinds of qualifications for talking to people about, you know, issues. I'm totally unqualified, as as you said, but um, there are all kinds of slightly murky qualifications that you can achieve nowadays by doing a four-week course or whatever, and I'm not sure if that kind of You've makes you... You've not done you, those either. I haven't done those either, so I'd like You're to say... You're entirely unqualified on paper. But years and years ago... Um, when Paula Yates, God bless her, was still alive. Right. I always used to think that she would be a brilliant agony aunt and I wanted to make a TV show with Paula as the agony aunt and I wanted to strapline it, she's had her problems, now let her help you solve yours. Yeah. And I sort of think that in a way... Uh, that's that's what I've ended up doing, um, is is using kind of my own life experience. And I think people write to me, they don't really, most people who write to me know what they're going to get. It's tough love, really. Yeah. And... Um, they write to me because they want to air something that, I mean, the problem with friends is that they judge you at the same time. They know you or they think they know you. So they, they give you advice mm. based on what they know about you, which is often erroneous. It's so dodgy that, isn't it? Sometimes a blank slate can be the very yeah. best place to kind of look at something it's in really the harsh dodgy. daylight. And that word resilience, Noah had his uh, report last night. You know, it comes online to you now, doesn't it, mm. at night time? On a given day. <laughs> uh, so we all sat on the bed. He said, I, we said, no, OK, you ready? Do you read it first? Okay, mum reads it first. Yeah. And Noah and I get it at the same time together. And she, she says, okay, are you ready for this? Yes, we're ready for this. And uh, up pops the first word, resilience. It's there. That, that is the buzzword for education at the moment, isn't well, it? Well, you know, when Improving we were talking resilience. about anxiety with, with kids, you know, so much of it was to do with the fact that they've, you know, that parents nowadays think that good parenting is, is to be a controlling parent. So to know where they are, what they're doing, to program their lives, make sure they've got loads of activities yeah. and so on. And the other thing that comes up time and time again is just to leave them be, give them a little Let bit of time bored. to be bored. Because we were bored, weren't we, Chris? We were very bored. Uh, not, not after we met, actually. We <laughs> no, were, no, of course we, not. We, we, and we've been fine ever since. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. His new book, The Seven Day Basket, takes you smoothly through a week's worth of cooking. Monday, cooking Herbie Chicken on Tuesday. He was making dough by Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He grilled on Sunday. Please welcome the Craig David of cooking. It's Ian Hayes. Very good, everyone. Very good. Morning, Craig Ian. David of cooking. You happy I with that? I love that. that. Yeah, yeah. That's the best intro ever. Ever of all time, ever. 
ever of all time. All right, the seven-day basket. So nice twist on the on the cookbook. Uh, brilliant. So different baskets. Super. You go into a supermarket, you get a basket, you fill it with stuff, and that could last you seven days if you if you if we keep to your guidelines here. Exactly. So it's, it's a list of ingredients, every seven pages that gives you exactly what you need for your seven evening meals. Right. Fits inside a basket. Keeps everything. It's simple. Basically, it's going to save you time, save you money, and there's zero waste at the end of it. All right. Uh, it's it's a brilliant book. It's beautiful as well. Uh, the Seven Day Basket, Ian Haste. Uh, before we talk more about the book itself, let's talk about you. Uh, so you've been chefing for how long? Well, I was a head chef 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I worked in head chefing for about three years. Completely gave it up. The industry is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Always been a really passionate cook still though. So always cooked healthy at home. And then the idea came back up about, well, I suppose it came up about five years ago to start cooking online. Why? Um, my wife and I want to have children. And my wife's a career-driven woman that works away quite a lot. I was working in London as a business development manager. And I thought, well, okay, I want to give up my work and start um, working from home. What can I do at home when I'm looking after the kids? And I come from a YouTube background family, I suppose, (laughs) in in this world that we live in, which seems crazy to me as an older guy. But I thought, right, I'm going to start doing some healthy recipes online. This This is the days where... It was sort of like pre-deliciously Ella and things. There was not that many healthy cooks online. So it was quite apparent for me as a healthy chef that maybe there's a little gap in the market for me. So I started doing a couple of videos online. And then from there, it went on to a couple of jobs with some big supermarkets. And then it's just flown from there, really. So how many baskets uh, do you introduce us to? Uh, ten in all? We've got ten in all. So there's 70 recipes in there. Yeah. Um, and it's done in aisle format. So when you go <laughs> to do your so shop... It's so good. Yeah, how come no one's thought of it it's before? Brilliant. <laughs> so basically, I've taken all the hassle out of it. So if you go to the food shop, if you fill your basket with everything that you've got there within that list, you shouldn't need anything else for your evening meals. So there's no really forgetting things because there's so many recipe books out there at the moment where you start going through the ingredients and you flick the page because you haven't got, you know, Zumac or something like yeah, that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, or yeah. some saffron, for instance. So everything is in the basket. Everything. Everything's there. Even including salt and pepper or... Uh, store cupboard staples. St- okay, so store cupboard staples. Yeah, that's the, like on Ready Steady Cook. Exactly. Same kind of thing. I think it's, it is kind of going back to a little bit of Ready Steady Cook, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit. Um, so, yeah, so it's all in aisle order. Um, and hope there's there's so much variety in the book. So it starts off how we eat as humans, so weather dependent. It starts off very uh, wintry at the start, so January, February time. It's a mm-hmm. lot of, like, more comfort style food. Yeah. Forward to sort of summertime, July sort of time. Ooh. Flick to the centre of the book. And that yes. gives you all your summertime recipes, mm-hmm. more healthy salads. Mm-hmm. And then approaching the back of the book again starts to sort of like teeter into the, the more sort of comforting food again. So you, well, we go to the veggie basket, okay? So your veggie basket, once again, you, you fill your basket, your standard supermarket basket with all this stuff, and you've got seven days worth of veggie cooking, right? And you get to... Um, you get to Tuesday, and you're looking at this mushroom and brandy stroganoff. Look at that. Who doesn't want a bit of that? Love it. Unbelievable. Are you vegetarian? I am. Is this... Oh, you brought us some food. I have indeed. I can we cut can, to the can chase bring and, that up? and eat it? <laughs> so eating up... is cheating, Vassos, today. <laughs> I'll eat it. I've been up six six o'clock this morning this is cooking lovely. a curry Have you wrap. Yeah, seriously. Vegetarian or not? My publicist said it would be a really good idea to no, cook a curry. And I was like, thanks, guys. That's really okay, handy. Uh, we have also um, another one of my favourite sweet potato gnocchi with, mm. uh, with popped tomatoes and sage parmesan oil. Again, one of seven dishes in a basket, a single basket. Exactly. And, and, the, and the flow of the book is also, we listen to the masses. So when we first started writing the book, I say we, it's me. Um, but when we first started writing the book, it was, it was a case of I wanted to listen to how people eat still in the right. UK. So we've got things like Meat Free Monday, which is that big sort of fashion thing at the moment. Paul McCartney's into that, isn't he? Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays sort of teetering a little bit of meat, a little bit of fish. 
creeping into Fridays and Saturdays. Fridays and Saturdays are predominantly a takeaway type <sighs> night or a curry. So there's always like Maldivian <laughs> chicken curry. Yeah. Are you enjoying that, Chris? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying looking at it. My mouth's beyond watering. I'll keep talking. You get eating. All right. Okay. Uh, what, what is this I'm having here? This is um, a chicken shaslik wrap mm. done with a burnt naan oh my God. and a mint yogurt and griddled um, peppers. Are you over there, Vassos? I'm really, really, really jealous. I'm almost going to reverse vegetarianism. I can't believe it. No, that's vegetarian. Oh, yeah. It yeah, is. it is. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Vassos, with all respect, what's the point of you being a vegetarian if you can't tell a piece of toffee from a chicken? <laughs> Covered in curry sauce, you can't really tell anything. <laughs> all right, 10 baskets uh, each for seven days. That's 70 days worth of meals. Uh, basket number six. Would you like to hear about basket number six? Yes, please. I'm loving this. Okay, this is Ian Hayes' brand new book. Ian's with us this morning. Good morning again, Ian. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, Monday, lentil and sweet corn dal uh, with roti. Uh, Tuesday, smoked pineapple ribs with Hawaiian slaw and butternut wedges. Wednesday, for two salad and sesame seared tuna. Thursday, sausage baked with balsamic roasted onions, butternut and broccoli. Friday, beer battered coddles, chips and minted peas. Saturday, Maldivian chicken curry. And Sunday, rosemary crumbed lamb rack with sweet potato puree and Yorkshire pudding. Yes, please. <laughs> it's the best basket ever. OK, <laughs> we've had many basket cases on the show, but this is a, a complete case of baskets. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 